Hi, John. <clears throat> hello. Hello, Merlin. He- hello. How are you? I'm uh, fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, how about, how about you? No, I'm good. I'm good. The train's extra loud today. I, heard, I noticed that. Yeah. I think some days, uh, I don't know if it's humidity or barometric pressure, but some days are louder than others. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't explain it. Do you it. think it, you, you think it might oh, be Oh, no, the sirens uh, are coming. Uh-oh. <laughs> Do you Jeez. think it might be that local kids are putting, like, pennies on the track? Oh, and God, maybe I some days not. it's like, because it's like, it's squashing pennies? I don't know. I don't know. There's so many things that are still a mystery to me. You know, it's really? one of the great things in life, I suppose, is that there's still so much for me to not understand in life. You know what? That's a real Generation X thing. <gasps> Tell me more about that. Well, you'll notice that the boomers and the millennials don't think there's anything they don't know. <laughs> Whereas we don't know anything, never did and still don't. No, so we know what we know we don't know. No, I don't even think we know that. I don't think we know what we, we don't, don't know. What we I don't, don't think, know, we don't know. I think we don't. I think we know mm-hmm. that we don't know what we don't know. What we don't know. Boy, that is so interesting. I'm literally looking at <laughs> at the page uh, for a, an episode of, because you reminded me of Greek philosophy. When, when yeah. you, when bring, is that fair to say you bring that kind of talk to the oh, situation? Sure. And I'm looking oh, at the, sure. the, the the Star Trek, the TOS that, that we watched today, uh, which is Plato's stepchildren. Plato's stepchildren. I think I remember that you, one. If you remember anything about it, you're gonna remember that there's this dude who <laughs> controls their bodies and mm. like makes them walk funny. Mm. Well, let me see if I can say. I just sent this uh, to, to, to my kid. I'll send it to you. Now I don't. I don't know why that happened, but I know I don't know why I don't know. Christopher sure, Pike. Sure. Sure. Um, we're we're really deep in Star Trek right now. Are you? Is it enjoyable? Oh yeah! Um, look at them. They're, it's not that they're drunk; it's that they're being controlled mm-hmm. by yeah, a puppet master. The puppet master then makes uh, makes Kirk and Spock uh, do a funny dance with each other. That's funny. That's but, funny when that happens. Summoned by an urgent distress call for medical help, the USS Enterprise landing party, consisting of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, find a group of aliens who supposedly model their society on the teachings of Plato. Uh, leader suffering from an infection. Yeah. So it's Plato's stepchildren is what it's called. Supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's a very, you know, as much as they try to be not Earth-centric, it's a very Earth-centric. Let's be honest. It's a pretty Earth-centric show. That's, you know, that's why I don't watch it. It's too Earth-centric for mm-hmm. me. Well, it's like, I, you know. Okay. So I, I gave my daughter an, an, un, you know, an unrequested example of this, which is like when we were kids, we used words... Well, we certainly used words like foreign, but even more mm. importantly, we used words like oriental. You well, follow? we used words like bleep blorp. <laughs> we sure did. Yes. Yeah, see, that's not, that's not earth-centric. Yes. Well, because, right. no, the only reason I say is I, I think you shouldn't, I think foreign, for example, you know me, I like words. Do you know that about me? Foreign. How I enjoy words? Foreign. Foreign, I would say foreign could be like a foreign substance, or you could have a uh, foreign uh, influence, like something that mm. foreign having that connotation. I think if you mean international, you should say international. International. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you say oriental, I mean, that means lady with slanted eyes is what, what that used to mean. No, it means carpet. Oriental rug. Rug. Does it match the drapes? 
<laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash supertrain. Friends, did you know that you are using Squarespace right now? Because if you are listening to this audio program, which I assume that you are, you're using Squarespace. You're using my Squarespace for free. You're welcome. But you can also get a Squarespace. They do so many things. You can create a beautiful website to turn your cool idea into your new home on the global internet. You can showcase your work. You can have a blog or publish pretty much any kind of content. You can have galleries and whatnot, sell products and services of all kinds. You can promote your physical or online business. You could announce an upcoming event or a special project and so much more. It's all Squarespace. You got to get it. Squarespace does all of this by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers. They have powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online. The ability to customize the look and feel, your settings, your products, all of that and more with just a few clicks. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. They offer a new way to buy domains and you can choose from over 200 domain name extensions, which is so many extensions. They have analytics that help you grow in real time. You get built-in built in search engine optimization, free and secure hosting with nothing to patch or upgrade ever. And if you ever run into a jam, don't worry because they have 24 by 7 award-winning customer support. They are encouraging folks to make it. You make it with Squarespace. So right now, please go to squarespace.com supertrain for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code supertrain. That'll get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain squarespace.com slash supertrain offer code supertrain for 10% off our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows that's unfortunate you want to start the show sure anytime okay how's it going good good I'm, I'm good. a little off my game I'm a little off my game because uh like I said we've been watching a lot we haven't uh, we're having jubilee because it's a three-day weekend and we're thanking people for their service by watching a lot of Star Trek is what we're doing Oh yeah. I'm, you know, I don't know how anymore. I don't know how to, what is it? Thank people for their service. I'm not sure how to do it. It's become such a, I heard you're not supposed to do that, but I've heard some people say that they think it's fine. I don't, most of the people that I've talked to have served don't like it, mm -hmm. but, but then, you know, they also don't, they don't like it enough to stop getting it that's true but, I, but it's more it's more than that it's like mm -hmm. i'm not sure i'm not sure i'm not sure how it's not a thing that we used to do you know and like no one ever thanked my dad for his service it seems like a real modern affectation but at the same time i don't want to i don't want to put anybody down yeah i don't want to i don't want to mistake the politics of it for I don't I don't want to do the reactionary thing where it's like well I don't like that so I'm going to do the opposite yeah like a war on Christmas type situation I think part of it yeah. is the glibness of that package at this point it's and the fact glib. that yeah at least me and amongst my friends it's a cliche that like you would never in a million years say that you would find if you if you absolutely uh, had that feeling about somebody you'd find a way to say it in a way that wasn't uh, like on a Shark Tank when they say it I think it's really annoying when when uh, when, when I, Robert or, or Mark says thank you for your service. Just because somebody used to be in the army, I mean, it's really glib. When I when I was uh, when I went over uh, with uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Matt Martin and and did that uh, tour with Jonathan Colden and David Reese of the um, Air Force bases in Africa, mm -hmm. people thanked us for our service. You for your service? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And it, 
and it, and I and it made me um, it made me go you know it had become a ritualized way of of um, I don't know acknowledging it, it it made it seem I don't know I don't know how it made it seem it made it seem like there was a not a secret code but like a um, like a sense that supporting the military was unusual. Mm. And so you needed special recognition because you had done something, uh, you'd done something odd. And I guess from the standpoint of like a bunch of musicians, like I'm kind of the only one I know personally that's ever done that. So from that Mm -hmm. standpoint, I guess it is odd, but it's probably not odd among country stars or rap stars or something. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I think they go, do that a lot. So I don't know. It just, it feels like it's, it's, it's code at like three or four different levels, but like Mike Squires posted a picture of himself in his Marine Corps uniform on Instagram yesterday. And I think he, as a former Marine feels Oops, careful. You're not supposed to say former Marine, right? Oh, oh God, you're right. Oh geez. Let me take it back. Let me walk it all the way back. Mm-hmm. Mike Squires as a Marine, mm-hmm. as a Marine, mm-hmm. as a Marine forever. He still feels he still feels that bond, that solid, oh, yeah. solid bond. And so he posts that picture and he says like, but he says something like, hey, bros, you know, or like the Marines really helped me is what basically what he posts. And then in the comments, it's just like, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service over and over and over. Yeah. And I and so I don't know. You know, like, I don't want to thank Mike for his fucking service. I know what he did. He was in the <laughs> typing pool and he got kicked out for drinking. No, 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 I'm sorry. He didn't get kicked out. He's always a Marine. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, always. 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 Semper, semper fi. Um, but, yeah. but at the same time, you know, like my dad was a veteran. I want to, in the in the old days on Veterans Day, like you, it was a, it's a somber holiday. You sit and you think about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the World War One ended. Yeah, I like, I like Armistice Day. I like, I mean, nothing against the veterans. I mean, but I, I really, uh, I, you know, it used to be Armistice Day, they called it. Armistice Day. That's, that's a right. Good, we that's should a good all be wearing day. poppies. Yeah. In Flanders Fields. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, oh. I, uh, this is, you know what? This is a, this is a thistle. This is a thistle. I, a thistle. I'm, 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 I'm glad everybody's doing their best with whatever they're doing. <laughs> it's a thistle that's pinned to our, uh, to our kilts mm-hmm. as we, as we merrily march off. To make war on our brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, that and we don't really pay teachers enough. So, um, all the teachers, all the teachers that can find a place in San Francisco have roommates. All the teachers in the house say, yeah. Yep, all you zombies. Watch, pre- <laughs> watched, uh, watched Predestination the other night. Uh, what is that? You ever seen that movie Predestination? I don't it's think so. based on the story. Is it Heinlein? No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh my God, we're gonna get so much feedback about this episode, and it's already. Making I don't me want sad. any. I don't want All any feedback. All so. zombies pre their faces. Well, that's where they get. That's where that comes from. It's a yeah. short story by. Oh, it's one of the big ones. It's one of the big ones. Uh, Heinlein. Bradbury. Yeah, Heinlein. Heinlein. Hmm. And uh, to say anything about it would spoil it. But you know what? You know what? You like time travel stuff? I know you don't want to talk about time travel. I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah, you should check out Predestination. It's really good. Okay. Um, that and, and Star Trek. 
Uh, why did I mention it here? <sighs> I feel like we're already. You like eight. to. You like uh, you like media. You like to talk about media. Well, I try not to talk about it too much because it's 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 you know everybody's uh, you know uh, opinions are like uh, buttholes, as they say. You know, you know everybody's got one. Oh, I see. Everybody's got an opinion because everybody has a butthole. Because everybody poops. <laughs> everybody poops. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, yeah. I, I'm glad everybody. You know what? I thank you to everyone. Okay. But as long as we're <laughs> you know here. What? You know what? All lives matter. Thank <laughs> oh, you to everyone. Thank you to everyone. Can we just yeah, say thank that? Thank you. I thank am. You. I am. Boy, as long I don't want to talk about this. I just want to say this and then we should talk about gardening or something. I think the hard on that this country has gotten for what we call first responders. Mm-hmm. I I know it is it is extremely difficult and dangerous work, and I am incredibly grateful that there are people who've chosen as their career things that help a lot of us and that put their lives in danger. Um, but something about the particular current, the culture around the current occupant of the White House, has fetishized. What, what, this whole notion of those two words, first responders. It, it happened in the Bush administration, though, didn't it? I mean, I, I feel like it was, I feel like this is a, a post-9-11 thing. At least, I mean, like, okay, so, oh, boy, you, you hate to get into uh, reforming the reputations of the Bush family, but I'll just, I'll just put it this way. I think, I think uh, the current president has a difficult time feeling, let alone ex- expressing, let alone feeling empathy for pretty much anybody. And I think he mm-hmm. sees it as weakness. And I think the weakness of people who have gone through a hurricane or, or an earthquake or a, a mass shooting to, 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 it's to, I think it's virtually impossible for him to express empathy for those people. Um, mm-hmm. And so that gets expressed as the great work of the, of our wonderful first responders. And there's something like amongst all the hundreds of grading things that he does. That's one that I worry has, you know, we'll have an impact for a while of really reducing our amount of empathy that we're having in the public conversation, even as we continually continue to fetishize cops in particular. Mm, cops. And I don't love that. I, you know, I, 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 I said it kind of as a joke at the beginning, but I really am starting to think that maybe we oscillate between two poles in this country, between sometimes – between – Periods where moral absolutism is the is the currency, mm-hmm. and then other times when moral relativism is the currency. Mm. Like those two things seem to be two poles that uh, we seem to bounce back and forth between. I mean, you know, more and more, I'm realizing the boomers weren't always conservative. They were liberals. They were the most liberal. Right, they were mm-hmm. the hippies. They were the freaks. They were like the original trust. Of, they were the original trustafarians, though. Also, right, right, kind of. Well, you know, well, I mean, they were not really. That was an era of like where there was a real middle class. I just right? mean like they the people, the people you would meet, like in my college. You know, people who are in a position to explore a lot of um, usually far, far left or sometimes libertarian ideas, but like the oh, idea that like mean. getting outside the mainstream, because it's like my, uh, my ex used to say, you can't choose to join the proletariat. You're, you're in the proletariat <laughs> because you know what I'm saying? And I like, that's, they were the, I feel like they were the OGs. They were the ones we learned from you, dad, was that whole idea of like, well, I have, 
I have the I have the privilege to drop out of school. I don't mean to over lean on the privilege, but you know what I mean. They had the funding. Let's put it that way. Well, but it was not that they were rich. It was that the barrier to entry was so much lower, right? I mean, and this is mm-hmm. all that was all the product of the toaster, basically. including college, including college, Incl- including college. Yeah, right. right. It was like mm-hmm. it was like after the war, suddenly washing machines and toasters and irons and whatever public swimming pools or whatever it all combined to make a society that w- that we'd been intending. It was the whole project for four hundred years was. Mm-hmm. Can't we free ourselves from labor so that we can be so we all can be philosopher kings? Yeah, and it was the whole the whole premise behind education, like send kids to public schools, like make public schools in the first place, so that we would have that leisure, which wasn't the leisure of wealth; it was the wealth of leisure. You know, well, like and a also, middle and also class the, person the, to try and reduce uh, scarcity and privation through things like automation and productivity. And, you know, there's, you can read a million books from the last 30 years about, no, washing machines just increased the expectations, didn't reduce the work. <laughs> right. And now we need right, more but, people. We need more people to tend to the AIs or whatever. It's not, it's not we, like people just get to go and have their, you know, four-hour work week or whatever. We know that now, right? Yeah. But, at the, but at the time, I mean, the boomers, their dads and moms were all, half of them still working in factories, but they had the luxury to go to college because you because college was $500 a quarter or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, they were leftists and then they turned right. And so we're right now living in this world where, you know, we're making the mistake of thinking that the millennials will be leftists their whole lives. And I don't think they will. <laughs> I think, you know, I think the boomers had... The, the boomers had that same conviction that they were right, the same conviction that they saw through the, 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 the false mask of the world and they knew the truth. I mean, it's exactly the same conviction. And later on, they got, you know, they got a little bit of wealth. They, they got a little bit of property and they became conservative. And the, the millennials would have us believe that there's no opportunity for them in the world. But of course, that's also what the boomers thought and also what we thought. I absolutely thought that. Yeah, that was, that was a big part of my brand was that coming into graduating college right into a recession, you know, it's like, wow, this has got to be one of the worst economies of the last 40 years. No opportunity, right? I mean, no Mm -hmm. 30 year old, no 30 year old in the world sees a clear path to owning their own home. It's just that you know, the current generation thinks that they should, or thinks that that's evidence that there won't ever be. And I think what's going to happen is that when they all turn 45, uh, they're going to start turning to the right, just like just like happens every generation. And then we're going to see suddenly another boom generation hmm. that believes that they were right their whole lives, that never <clears throat> that never had to really consider their beliefs because they were because they were such a big generation that nobody challenged them. And then they all become conservative. And then we're living in a we're, – we're, we're going from one moral absolutist plan to the next. And, you know, Generation X is nothing if not morally relativist, at least always was, right? Mm-hmm. And we're always like, well, you know, but this and, you know, it's interesting that – I mean, you know, we never settled on, a, on an ideology. We never, we never promoted one because we couldn't ever – we shouldn't. We didn't have any, enough conviction about anything. You know, all we were convinced of was that everything sucked, mm-hmm. and that's that hasn't lended itself very well to creating a government. You know, everything sucks isn't really a good 
That's not, <laughs> not really, really a good model. Ethos. Yeah, <laughs> it's not really an ethos, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like oh, it, I do. It, is, I do. It, it also isn't. Um, it's not. A, it's not dogmatic either, right? Well, it's like every little kid has that innate sense of justice about who got more candy than them, and who <sighs> and, and all super clarity about the times that you know they got less clarity than less candy than somebody else. I think a lot yeah. also about um, alignment in D and D and how that maps. How, how, well, so so I feel like the innovation with alignment, and I don't know if Gygax was the first one to do it, but I, I'm so interested in that idea of saying, you know, it's one thing to say, like, are you a good guy or a bad guy? Like, are you, are you, you know what I mean? Are you, you know, good versus evil or whatever, like a classic sort of um, right. spectrum, but then introducing that y-axis of how you feel about order versus chaos you know what mm, I mean? Mm, it's so mm-hmm, it's so mm-hmm. fascinating to me, and like that's why you can have a million memes. You can have memes that are just I've seen one hilarious D and D alignment meme that's just nine different George Costanzas of all the different <laughs> possible alignments. But but you know I think that idea of your approach to order, um, or law, if you want to put it that way, I think order is a better way to put it. You know what I mean? Like how like how much? It. You know what I mean? Like so you can be the it's, when you first get into D and D, it seems really strange that you could have something. Well, certainly you can understand lawful good and you can understand chaotic evil. But, you know, I think a lot of us would probably say we're neutral good. A lot of us, you know, or or maybe you know, lawful neutral even. But, like, when you get into, like, um, lawful evil, that, that's a very interesting alignment. It and is. I think there is, it does not map directly to, to real life, but it probably wasn't too far into college that I realized uh, there, on the one hand, you do have the, spe- you, have the you have, let's call the x-axis, conservative or not conservative versus liberal like say progressive versus Mm -hmm. um i don't know the exact words but i feel like when we say stuff like liberal and conservative that actually is more like a y-axis where like there's how you feel about a political position but then there's also how much how you feel about the importance of systematic change and those are very different and I think for, for a long time, a lot of us, at least I'll speak for myself, for a long time, I got those conflated in a way that was not useful. And so remember, like, how many times have we talked about hippies? I mean, <laughs> hippies are selfish evil. The, you know, uh, the, the basic hippie thing, the hippies, a lot of the hippies I have known, is they, were, they ended up being, they seemed like they branded themselves as being all about, like, you know, freedom and uh, sharing and stuff like that. But ultimately, they were some of the most selfish people I ever met in my life. Yeah. And like when you encounter the helpful white ladies and the helpful white men of certain parts of the sort of mainstream Democratic Party, like you realize that like if you were to map something like alignment to them, they are actually as you we've talked about this before. They're actually quite conservative in many mm-hmm. ways in that they mm-hmm. don't want they don't want things to change. They want to go back to 2015 or or whatever. And I think that's part of the debate right now is like is there a thing to go back to? And that's one reason I think people like Bernie and Liz Warren are so threatening and scary to people is that they're proposing something that isn't just a classic sort of post-war liberal model. They're proposing in the case of some of the stuff, like something pretty substantial. I'm sorry, that was long. Yeah. Do you, do you, take, do you take my meaning though? Like, it's, I, I, I don't know, after, after playing D&D <laughs> as a kid, I got more and more interested in like, okay, well, like, is how many... How many axes are we really talking about here? When we try to yeah. understand our differences and our similarities, when we try to find common cause with people, like how is it so difficult sometimes for us to all agree on this one thing and then find this other thing so difficult to agree on? Um, 
And you can even see this, you can even see this right now where we allow the liberals to just eat each other alive over a standard that folks on the other side of the aisle are not holding themselves to. And it's, you know, it's pretty crazy to watch. I mean, that's the, that is what separates the liberals from the conservatives, right? Mm -hmm. But I mean, in a way, like uh, in a fundamental way. Um, because there's much more ideology. Yeah, in you a, could also have an access of practical, world. practical versus theoretical, or practical right. versus is your morality about pra- pra- being practical and achieving a certain outcome, or is it about adhering to a set of values? I guess that's a kind of lawful versus chaotic. The thing is that you know Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. I mean, all they're proposing is what the Democratic Party stood for in 1937. You know, like they're not. It's not. It really isn't radical. It's just the. It's just old liberalism. We just mm, we lost yeah, it. I guess. We lost it along the way. You know, mm-hmm. like the the idea of a social safety net. Mm-hmm. You know that that's like FDR stuff, right? Right. 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 Um, so it's. But by today's standards, it's pretty radical. Well, yeah, only because we've only because we've slid so far, sort of in the direction of. But it's the wonderful thing about about conservative ideology, which is that the practical and the ideological are mm-hmm. are really the same, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't. You don't have to. If, if in the left, for you to for you to follow along, even for you to believe in like the in leftist principles, you have to accept all these, um, all these premises, right? About the way hmm. people are, the way they interact, the way they, oh, their ways, they're socially ordered, the way they, wh- what they aspire to be, what's holding them back. Mm-hmm. You know, the left like like has a lot of philosophies or or theories about for instance just what's holding people back right we it, it's not as simple as well if this per, if people had more money they would be better right because that's not that's not uh, that's not the liberal mentality the, people need a variety of sort of things to encourage them to grow mm-hmm. and on the right it's really not it's not that complex mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're their idea is like, well, if people have money, then they uh, then they improve, and if they don't improve when they have money, then they're hopeless. Um, you know, so so basically, their practical thing is do things that make money, or that you know that um, that increase opportunity for people if they want it, is basically the the whole premise, right? And so, mm-hmm. and that's the philosophy and the action all rolled up into one. Whereas on the left, you have to you have to have read a bunch of books just to get. It's the, an obstacle. It's a real obstacle course. To, to and so get you can read those. Going. Yeah, you can read those books and you can read them a certain way, and then someone else reads them a different way, and now you're both liberals, but you hate one another mm-hmm. because you know because you don't agree on the on the interpretation, and that that's I mean that's a thing that's I think intrinsic to the it's not re, it's not relegated to America or even modern politics. It goes all the way back to the first people that ever had an idea about what the solution to a problem was. There's somebody that's like, well, the problem is just what you see and we need to solve it. And there's another person that's like, the problem started somewhere before the problem. Mm-hmm. And it's a, <clears throat> if you're someone who thinks the problem started before the problem you're trying to solve has a root cause that you need to try to solve before you can solve the problem you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. 
you're a leftist. And if you're a person that believes that whatever came before is irrelevant and what you have right now is the problem you have to solve and stay focused and here's what the, you know, here's the, what the problem is, solve it. You're a conservative. It seems to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, uh, I don't think those two sides will ever meet in the middle. You know what I mean? Well, so especially, especially if we think it's about this thing when it's really about that thing. And a more, maybe a more ham-fisted example is various territorial. Uh, I don't even want to get into this too far because even the words you use can be really rough. But like, let's just say, so let's look at you know the troubles in uh, Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. Israel and Palestine, um, apartheid to a certain extent. You know, and there's there's this difficulty. It's you know, or just go to Kentucky and look at the Hatfields and the McCoys. It's like that was this most recent killing is is not what we're really talking about. What we're talking about is the killing that led to that killing, you know, that you know, preceded that killing, preceded that, and all the way all the way back. So we're still trying to figure things out from 1968. We're still trying to figure things out from 1972. That there's an irresolution to that that makes it difficult to focus on what, uh, but maybe a younger person even would say is a practical thing that needs to be accomplished here. Like, or as Rodney King says, can't we just get along? Which is, you know, it's no, we can't. <laughs> we can't just all get along. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, or maybe. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Want to talk about Star Trek? No. Okay. No, not at all. Not interested. I feel really like you got Star a background Trek. with Star Trek, and I, I, I don't know if we've ever really explored it. Yeah, but you know, I think what's happening to me is that I'm sick of talking about pop culture. It, okay. it seems to be when people. I mean, you know, like everybody's so frustrated with talking about stuff, and so they default to. Captain America, and I can't take it anymore. Yeah, it's not. You know, I don't mean that at a dig at you. I just mean oh, like yeah, that's fine. I just like want something. I, I just want to get something we can put out. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm worried that one of us, possibly both of us, are going <laughs> to go down a road from which we cannot come back. What do you like to talk about? Well, you know, war that's movies. The problem, you like right? war movies. We used to, well, you can't talk about can't talk about that because it's pop culture. Well, no, or it's political. Political culture. It's either political or pop culture. We did it. We did it uh, on Friendly Fire. Mm -hmm. We watched. um, We watched Captain America, the first one, Mm -hmm. and we uh, we reviewed it as a war movie, Mm -hmm. and we came down on the side of not thinking it was very good Hmm. as a war movie. Um, Well, yeah, and as you know, and as a movie that is. Anything other than just like completely brainless, turn your mind off stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you know, we recorded our Friendly Fire episode the way we normally do, which is we just start talking about the movie that we just watched. And, you know, Ben Harrison is a is a millennium and Adam is a one of those Generation Y people. And um, they both are super fans of Star Trek and all the sci-fi or whatever. But there's just kind of no escaping that if you really look at the movie and ask any questions at all about what the movie's trying to say or do, mm-hmm. you kind of come to the conclusion that like, yeah, I mean, sort of not – it's not really worth very much. Mm-hmm. Well, we put that episode out and oh, – you know, and the thing is, we recorded it before the Martin Scorsese comments. We recorded it a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, ooh boy is right. You know, our our social media, which it, for that show happens all over, right? There's a Facebook page, there's Reddit groups, there's mm-hmm. Twitter, there's people all over that are talking about the show in various different places, depending on whether or not they believe 
whatever social media platform they believe in. And, um, you know, just the predictable amount of, um, MCU, uh, fan community that really, 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 really takes it personally, takes Mm -hmm. it, you know, like deeply personally that we talked about Captain America in a way that was not, um, that where we, you know, we just kind of came to these conclusions. That's very, very tri- it's very just, tribal. It's in the sense of like, you know, you've just identified yourself as not only not being in my tribe, but like I, the personal part is like, it's also, I, I take this um, hit on behalf of the whole tribe when you say something. Yeah. It's, the, it's not just, was, it's the, not that we can, you know, can just differ in what it is that we like in life. It's that like when we differ about this thing that I consider part of my tribal brand, we're going to have words. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's not even, uh, it's, it, you know, like if they were just mad, but they're hurt, you know, and betrayed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and those are reactions that, you know, I don't really feel about, about anything that someone else made. You know what I mean? Like if you come at me and say, your songs suck and your music is bad, uh, I feel those feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you say that about something someone else made that I just like, mm-hmm. like if you say, oh, you know, AC Newman is a bad songwriter. I go, all right, whatever you think, you know, mm-hmm. it's fine. Like if you say this, the, the, um, the declaration of independence <laughs> is stupid, overrated, <laughs> you know, I go, okay, well, you know, like whatever you think, man, I'm more of a, I mean, more of a Magna Carta, man. I'm not, I don't think that you're correct, but like, fine, you know, like keep on keeping on. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I, so it's not just that, like, I don't like the thing. Um, but I can't begin to imagine how an adult person would, um, would have that, uh, would have that that reaction of feelings. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so when I look around, when I cast around now, like, do you know who Ari Dworkin is? He was the guy that started Heeb magazine. Do you remember Heeb? Uh, I, I know the name of that, but I don't. I don't know Ari Dworkin. I don't think I know Andrea Dworkin. Andrea Dworkin. She was amazing. <laughs> she, right? She's quite a ball player. She was. She was she's a little ahead of her. She's a little ahead of her time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss her now. Yeah. She seems so moderate she's now. So, she was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, Ari he was, Dworkin. He, Heeb. He wrote me the other day and he was like, what do we do? Like, what is there basically like, what is there to talk about? Yeah. What can we talk about? And, uh, and I don't, I don't, I, I didn't have an answer for him and I, and I don't have an answer now. You and I used to talk about everything, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. We talked about everything. And then little by little, there were things we couldn't talk about or didn't talk about. And gradually that list got longer and longer. And yeah. You know, it's you and you know we, but because we're because people are listening, we know that. But also, like, I don't know. I I found on Twitter now that I'm I'm muting as many friends as I am randoms. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you went through that period where you were muting trolls mm-hmm. and muting. You'd say something, and there'd be like these people that came out of nowhere that are just talking shit, and you're like, mute. Mm-hmm. 
but these days, like I said on Twitter and I'm just reading my feed and I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to hear from you anymore. Like, yeah. and you're, you're a friend. Like, I hope I run into you at a thing, but I don't want to be part of your Twitter feed anymore. It's just not, it's, it's not, not helping me. Yeah. It's not fun. And I don't believe you. I don't believe in you anymore. Or I don't believe in your, in your public persona, right? I don't believe mm-hmm. it re- represents who you are uh, or what you, I mean, I guess it believes it. I guess you are starting to believe it. You're starting to believe your own Twitter feed is, I guess, maybe the well, thing that, that, that scares has a, most As we each do that, and I think I would imagine all of us are doing that more and more, but as we each do that, it has uh, a perhaps unexpected knock-on effect of insulating us even more from other people because we're doing it to them they're doing it to us and it's basically we're just alone with our farts more and more of the time and you know it's it's for my for myself my some of my guiltiest lowest like why am i here moments are where i'm like no actually i don't i don't want to know what a ton of people think about something let alone my god what it is they have to say about you know what i'm doing here no thank you i'm good but then so right. then so then what is it that i'm doing am i am i just am i just writing stuff on a whiteboard you know in the men's room like w- you know why am why am i here you know what i mean it's it's challenging because there were I, I don't know i mean i'm not on instagram anymore uh, i haven't been on facebook in 10 years and uh yeah it's it's it is strange and i, I do find yeah, myself right. consuming a lot more like I look at for political stuff, um, you know what? What I picked up from Max, what I just call political Twitter, which is a couple lists that I look at ninety um, percent of the time that I'm on Twitter. Yeah, but that I mean, I'm not saying I, it's good like, or healthy. I'm just saying it's what it is. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm bounced out of that completely. Like, yeah, I don't no, want I, but that's that's political. you know we're different. But that's but yeah. what I'm saying is like it used to be a place where I hungrily, uh, in a very unhealthy way, spent literally hours a day writing for Twitter. I, right. I don't blanch at that at all. I was really fucking good at it, but like then no, it just it got it got to be not not that fun. And uh, but at the same time, I was like anybody. I'm addicted to like what people, the nice things that people have to say in this very kind of um, beige way. Like he, they, yeah. they they hit the icon, and then I get like you know <laughs> a, a nano a, a nanoliter of of dopamine, and it's like ugh, wow. But but also like I just don't I but then all it takes is so I'm having fun, I'm shucking and jive with my pals. And all it takes is like one person to come in and like and you know, certainly to be a dick, that's no fun. But like increasingly I'm so um uh, overly sensitive to like what I what I call uh bring your own joke. It's like uh-huh. no, if there's if there's a thing happening here, read the fucking room. Figure out what right. the thing is before you bring your own joke. Because that's really lame, and now you've kind of ruined it, and it's like now it's not fun. And well, it's bring like, your own joke, or 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 like hold, just hold your thought for a second. Like I I posted a thing on Instagram the other or on Twitter it yeah. was where um how how did I stumble on this? Uh oh oh I I follow an Instagram account called Cheap Old Houses, mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. an account that this person you know finds these houses in like the strange rural places that used to be a river crossing or whatever. And so there's a 1901 house with 10 bedrooms and it's in, you know, chicken arse, Iowa. <laughs> and you, <laughs> is that the British arse? <laughs> it's British arse. Yeah. Chicken chicken arse, arse, it was, okay. All right. <laughs> it was settled by, it was settled by British people. Oh, nice. Um, 
uh, poultry arse, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's this 10 bedroom house and it's, you know, and it's on an acre of land on the bank of a river and it's $65,000. And, you know, there are these houses all across America and none of them are really, the houses are incredible, but when you really try and situate them, si- situate them in the geography and imagine yourself moving to a part of South Carolina, that's an hour from any, you know, like even a piggly wiggly, Mm-hmm. It's like, oh right, I see why this house is sixty five thousand dollars. Like it, it's, it would be a complete, you, you would be going completely off, right? Mm-hmm. But I love these houses, and I often go and try and figure out. You know, I like geography too, so I try and figure out where they are. And with that, oh yeah, yeah, this leads, is your little project with the uh, your little project. The thing we were yeah. saying to it's your little bullet thing for your idea, your yeah. thought technology. Yeah, that's that's a really neat. I'll, uh, Actually, I'm not going to do show notes, but that was a that's a really interesting project. You got good results. Yeah, it's really neat. And and so and I, well, I'm sorry. Was, I'm, was, I'm, could you tell people what that is? Just just because yeah. we don't really do show notes anymore. Um, I can find it here if you want. It it uh, it is just that when I would go to these little towns, uh, you know, you click on the link from the house, and it says it's in it's in Poultry Arse, Iowa, mm-hmm. and then you click on Poultry Arse, Iowa, and you can see the Instagram feed. For everyone who hashtagged their photograph, Poultry Arse, Iowa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And invariably, what you get is a bunch of prom photos, mm-hmm. a bunch of people in camouflage baseball hats who have just shot a wild turkey or a deer or a duck, um, some, lo- you know, local color. But it's the, you know, some of these towns are just a crossroads. And invariably, in those prom pictures, there will be an interracial couple. And there will be, um, like, so much so that it became a kind of thing that I would that I was just like, well, let's see what what's in this weird town. Well, let's see what's in this weird town. And there's always there's always something in the little photographs. And I mean, they're completely unrelated to each other, right? They're just that's the point. People that are that's, hashtagging. that's the whole point, right? right? In some ways, is that is that you 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 will you will be when you do this, you will be surprised what turns up, and that's the fun of it. And it really is fun, and it really is difficult surprising. to predict, right? Completely unpredictable, right? Yeah. And you are going to see some stuff that confirms your expectations. There is going to be somebody <laughs> with a with a MAGA hat on and a deer draped over his uh, pickup truck, but then the next photograph is going to confound you because it's not that. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you start thinking that rural America is monolithic, just as soon as you start thinking anything is monolithic, you're you're going to if you get an opportunity to like. To, if you want to challenge that, there are, there's a million opportunities, and this was just one I stumbled on. So I posted it, and there were a lot of people replying to that that were like, hey, this is really fun, or wow, you know, and people were posting pictures of things that, like, this is the first picture I saw, and it was of a uh, a prom date in some tiny little Wyoming town, and it was a Japanese guy and his and his blonde girlfriend. And it's just like, well, that's not what, what I thought I was going to find in in this little because every other picture is a guy spitting <laughs> chew spit on his cowboy boots, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's like, yeah, as soon as you think what you're going to see is and you and that is confirmed. I mean, it's almost like you could put a certain blinder on and just see what you want to see. But <laughs> there's always going to be this outlier picture that is a shock. And so people are commenting and it's really fun and, and it's like, yeah, this is a neat experiment. Like, And then somebody clearly who had not done it uh, tweeted, um, yeah, well, until they start voting 
with the because I said, you know, you'll be surprised at the diversity you find. And in and this person was like, well, until they start voting that way, mm. nope. Boo. And I was like, wow. Mm. Like you're the and and I and it was the first thing that I looked at when I woke up in the morning. Like I opened my eyes yeah. the following day. I opened Twitter. I looked at it, and here's this. Yeah. And this, you know, it's not a person I know. It's not a person even that follows me. They're commenting on some, because somebody else retweeted it. Oh and, yeah. You know, you get you get you get so much of the shittiest stuff that way. But th- this is a person that is a liberal. Oh, right? no, they they're are the some, worst. They're absolutely right. the worst. It, it's I probably share a 90% of the of uh, my beliefs with them. Well, right? I like, guess, but you go and look at go in and like you just when you go and look at anything well so I I see this because of political twitter to start with, which is that like ah oh, orange cheeto beep boop mark. It's like uh and it's it's just it's it's People always talk so like friends on on my side of the aisle like to talk about the Russian bots. Oh yeah, this is just a bot. It's, mm, it's probably not a bot. It's it's probably just a person who disagrees <laughs> with you and thinks you're a dick. Um, you think everything that disagrees with you is a bot, and that's not a smart way to go through life. And I'm just here to tell you that some of the absolutely worst simple-minded people on that website are people that you would consider in some way your ally. Right, and they are, they they right. are they are they are not any smarter or more perspicacious in their approach than all the people that you think are bots out there. And uh, God, I love the word perspicacious. I have I not, got that on an evaluation once in college, and it made me so happy. I've not said that word in twenty five years. Yeah. Like it, and and it. No, I it just it's not a word that it's in my common. Mm-hmm. Like my quiver of words, but it's so good. <laughs> Perspicacious. Um, and now that person comes in, they dive bomb in, they make yeah, it about well, the thing. And I've said this on so many shows, John, where I, the part of what's so sad and depressing right now is that basically everything has become about Trump or Twitter or Twitter and Trump. Well, so, so, and, and two like, weeks and ago, just give me a minute, just give me a minute away from this. And then now yeah. you come in and now you've made it about you've made it about Trump and about Twitter, even though it's on Twitter. We got to have we had a moment here for a minute, but then you came yeah. in and went, Yeah, beep boop orange Cheeto. Beep boop orange Cheeto. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I think I talked to you about this, but you know, I had I started to feel that feeling um that that I think it's probably like uh, a lot of people's normal feeling now. They're like baseline feeling, mm-hmm. which is that feeling of um, the feeling that the tel- the phone, my smartphone, is this slow morphine drip of dopamine hits that is actually fogging me. You know, it's it's like if I do, it's if the phone is in the room, if it's in the house, it's it's calling to me just like my hash pipe, just like my um <laughs> just like my methadone, like I can hear it and I can't focus. I can't, um, I can't really carry on like a, a very smart conversation with another person because I'm thinking at some portion of my brain is, is elsewhere. It's looking for the phone. It's wondering where it is. <laughs> it's waiting for my next chance to be alone with it. Yeah. And I was, I, I was feeling it, you know, really deadening me and, and it's, and it's made it's made clear by the fact that I have an eight and a half year old daughter that wants my attention and needs my attention. And, 
And when I feel that attention divided, when I'm thinking about something else and she's there and she's just like, hey, play with me. Or she's like, you know, has Mm -hmm. something to talk about. That's when I really feel that deadening on me as a as what it is, which is a real disease. And and so and in trying to be rid of it. It isn't anymore enough to go put that phone in the other room, to put it on the nightstand, to put it in a bag, hmm. because it because that is just like putting your hash pipe away. It sits over there and it calls to you, and you're not <laughs> thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're. Not, I'm sorry, you're not thinking about what you're thinking about. You're thinking about it, a mm-hmm. portion of you. Oh, God. And it's and it's really it's it's real. And I say it as a drug addict, right? Mm-hmm. I say it as somebody that's felt this about drugs, and. You know, and that, and I work hard to resist it, but it's, but it's past the point. And so, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know, I bought this iWatch precisely for this mm-hmm. to remain in touch, but to not have access to the, to the constant just taint diddling <laughs> that the that this fucking stuff does. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. And so I so I put the phone down. I strapped on the watch. And I went for six days where I never touched the phone. It was in a drawer. I had the watch on. And because the watch does provide that, you know, that baseline connectivity, you can text, you can mm-hmm. get phone calls, you can look at a map. You're, you're reachable without you're reachable. also sacrificing the attention that will go into you wanting to reach everything. Right. And so, so, what, so the first thing I noticed is, when I pulled up to a stoplight, I just sat there. <laughs> I did not immediately reach for the phone and look at it until the light turned green. And I just sat there and I, rem- and I remembered what it was like to just sit at a stoplight and have to wait and watch the people walk in front of you and look around the, the intersection. And then when the light turned green, I was looking at it. So I went. And pretty soon, you know, the, the trip from that stoplight to the next stoplight because I wasn't thinking because I had not just put down my phone and was driving to the next stoplight where there would be another opportunity to pick it up. I wasn't, I didn't spend that intermediary time also sort of still in my phone head. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was just in the car Mm -hmm. and I was driving and then I was at the next stoplight. Anyway, for a week I was, I was doing this and, and it only takes a few days for the pattern to kind of start to, I'm not going to say rewire, but certainly like for, for it to get out of your system the same way it would with like, like if your first morning without coffee, you're pretty definitely going to have a headache if you're going cold Turkey, but yeah. it really only takes what, three, four days for it to be three out of your days, system. Yeah. yeah. You get the, I mean, if you're a big coffee drinker like you or me, you get mm-hmm. the itches, you feel the bugs under your skin. <laughs> Um, your teeth start to hurt and, you know, but then it's over. But then of course, just like, just like when you go on a low carb diet or when you decide you're going to stop drinking for a week or whatever on Saturday, um, I picked up the phone cause I had something to, you know, I had a, I don't know, I needed to look something up and within a week I was back to looking at it six, seven hours a day. Yeah. And so it's not hard, it's not, not, not difficult to slide back into that. So easily. it's not, yeah. but you know, we, we're, we're, I think a lot of us are on a kind of 
precipice where we're we've just we're starting to accept that like this is our reality and this is how the rest of our lives are going to look um because if we don't interrupt it um it is how the rest of our lives are going to look There's, it's not going to ever it's not going to ever turn, not. turn the other way no no mm-hmm. right i mean apple's mm-hmm. not going to make things less interesting if they can help it and the and the connected world isn't going to um and the, the the uglier it gets, the more it kind of sucks us in. I mean, mm-hmm. just like you, I used to spend five hours a day writing for Twitter for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt, and I remember getting a lot of criticism. I I I I found a letter that I wrote to Barsouk in 2000, 2011 because uh, the folks at Barsouk, and in particular one person, not Josh. <laughs> wrote me an email that said, you know, you're spending all this, you're wasting all this time on Twitter instead of working on your album. And I don't know if I ever told you this story, but, um, Oh no, one of those, it's one of those, it's a flavor of the, like, you got time to do this thing in public, but you can't answer my email, that kind of thing. It wasn't that he, he actually ran some numbers Oh, and he said, here's what your album sales were like in the six months before you joined Twitter. And here's what your album sales have been in the year since you joined Twitter. Mm. And you'll notice that even though you think that Twitter is like some big promotional thing and it's making, you know, and it's raising Mm. your public profile, you'll notice that your album sales have not experienced any significant bump as a result of all your Twitter fans. (laughs) Guessing it wasn't wasn't Emily either. (laughs) It wasn't Emily, no. And so, but it was, you know, someone high, high up in the organization. I think, I think I have a pretty educated guess. Yes. Yeah. All right. And well, so is that, is that I, really I, the best use of that person's time? I wonder. Well, so what happened? So this is 2011. I wrote because what, I think what precipitated it was I said, I was in New York. I was playing a show and I looked at the Barsook Twitter feed. Oh, I remember and, this. Yeah. And when you right? said, and you said, why aren't you, why aren't you promoting yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, why aren't you promoting my show? The Barsuk Twitter feed like had a tweet from the day before that was like, "Hey, you know, yeah, be, uh, coffee cups are available in our store. Mm-hmm. So why aren't you promoting my show on Twitter? Like I'm a Barsuk artist, and you know, like why aren't you pitching it?" And they said, "We don't want, um, we don't want to." <laughs> I remember oh, this. We don't want to phrase. Clog- it's really stuck no, in your craw. What was no, it? We don't want to clog people's inboxes. <laughs> With too many tweets. And I, you know, and I was just like, I was flabbergasted. But I just found the letter I wrote them um, in in reply where I was, where I was, you know, saying I I was not defending. I was extolling the virtues of social media Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. it was. You know, it, it, I was not doing it to promote my albums. I wasn't doing it to uh, raise my public profile. Like it was a, it was a, its own creative outlet, and it was, you know, it was a future that they could barely understand, and so forth and so on. I, re- you know, I remember feeling that way. Oh, and, all, and I mean, this is not. I'm not here to bag on them. I, I love those people, but they were, or in the sense that we were talking about. 53 minutes ago, maybe, or however long ago, uh, very conservative in some ways as a company and very, yeah. very resistant about uh, acknowledging, let alone accepting the changing environment of post-2000 music world. 
in a lot of ways. I feel, I feel well, like, you know, and, the, and, it, and it ended up, they ended up doing, they, the phrase that I used in uh, a somewhat memorable call was, you know, when you give away John Vanderslice MP3s at like low bit rates, you're like the Safeway sample guy, like deliberately oversalting the samples because you think these people are freeloaders. It's like your whole brand is high quality audio. Why would you put out and I'm like, well, you know, then they won't buy the record. And I'm like, well, that's not how this works. You're not yeah. going to, you're not going to f trick people into buying a plastic CD by putting out like a, you know, an incredibly low bitrate MP3. It's like, that's not how this works. But, but that, that felt, I think to them, that kind of thing, like the social media stuff felt like a, felt like a bridge too far in terms of like what they're willing to do to like sort of accept the changing climate of things. You know, and they're a lot younger than me. I mean, uh, the the people that run Barsook are all seven years younger than I am or something like that. You know, they're quite a bit, or at least, yeah, I think so, six, seven years old, younger than I am. Mm -hmm. But they just hadn't, um, you know, they just didn't didn't click with, because they were, because they they were the new, they, they were the new version of the old media paradigm and they didn't realize that that although they were the latest version, it was they were the last version mm -hmm. uh, of a, of an of an old of old media, right? I mean, they 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 were selling CDs. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, like uh, like just not just not simply in time, but like they were closer to something like like what factory or rough trade. I mean, they were they were closer to like you know this is a we manage this portfolio of you know. Of, of bands and we're going to define how you like them. We are going to maintain control. And I don't think they are anywhere near unique in this, but I think it's one thing that was a pretty risky position for a long time was like, we are going to continue to believe that we will control how this is consumed. And in fact, how this music is enjoyed. Like we right. will be, we will be the arbiters uh, of that. And you will, you will not be permitted to become a consumer of ours, unless you will hew to our <laughs> idea. This is the way a link opens on the website. Each one of these yeah. is a JavaScript link that we have written in this way. It's yeah. a non-standard way to do that, but that helps us maintain the illusion of control <laughs> over stuff down to how you click on a link. And yeah. it's like, well, our... that's a real, that's a pretty old fashioned idea. I mean, that's like, there used to be companies that would say like, we're going to provide this, like we'll give you this uh, software that'll make it impossible to take a screenshot on a device <laughs> and this kind yeah. of stuff, which, you know, it's true as long as you have a totally wrecked old version of windows, but like everybody else in the world is like, you've got to be kidding me. You paid five figures for that. And it's like, yeah, well, it protects our IP. It's like, no, <laughs> like, why don't you, why don't you maybe like more like get with the idea that like these people are super fans. How do you make them feel incredibly welcome and part of a family rather than being some kind of like, like threatening visitor. Like there's this woman yeah. who owns a, a toy store here in town who hates kids. And you can just tell as soon as you walk into the store, she's just like, can I help you? What are you looking for today? And you're like, wow, you're not really here because you want kids to be happy. You're here because you want to jam toys down a kid's throat and, and to get the parents to don't be that label. Like be the, yeah. you could be, and, and again, something I said so many times, you can be two years ahead or 10 years behind. It's really yeah. up to you. And like every day you spend not getting with what the new thing is, it's going to be harder and harder to play catch up. The most incredible version of this, and I, I, I honestly don't know how they've done it, is the is the degree to which Instagram restricts your ability. 
You cannot repost uh, without an outside app. You can't link to uh, to a link in your in a comment or in your posts. You know, like they they have all those restrictions that I would have thought would have killed them yeah. because. People want to repost. People want to put links to things. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, they just built it so they you can't. They want you to have to use that app because that their model depends so heavily on your use of that app. Yeah. And they don't, they don't want you to go out from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when Facebook decided that in order to DM people on Facebook, you had to download yeah. a separate app. Yeah. I resisted it, and to this day, do not have. It was the thing that that made when me you got decide. At, that, you got yelled at because you hadn't responded to like, what was it somebody coming to a show or invitation to a party? Like you yeah. hadn't responded to a separate app hailing quickly enough, and the person like it damaged your relationship with that person. Yeah, because that? I didn't. I didn't have Facebook Messenger <laughs> app <laughs> on my phone. And I was just like, look, man, I don't, I don't, the, it, it is so disagreeable to me that I could be on their program and they are like, oh, you didn't do the other thing that we now require you to do. I was just like, fuck you. And it's such a small little p- pointless stand to make in the world. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't, you know, it's the same thing. Like, what the fuck? Like, I, I, you couldn't get me to go on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. I've got a profile there. It's sitting there, moldering away. And I, every, keep, I keep stuff just because I don't want. I often just would prefer people not have, you know, a, a username that's kind of associated with me. But right. yeah, but no, but I, I agree with you. I think you know this goes back to my old racket of um, you know how we how we communicate with each other. And it's it used to be so frustrating to me that uh, I always felt like I was expected. It wasn't enough that I was expected to constantly be monitoring email and respond on somebody's terms to email where, where you could put fucking anything you want in an email at any time of day and make that demand to people and then get all pissy that they didn't respond to it in the way you would prefer. But boy, you know, when that became, oh, you also need to get this app and you also need, you know, and you're basically mining personality Bitcoin fucking all day long. And it's like, no, you're not, you're not allowed to add new mailboxes to my house that I'm expected to check, let alone put them someplace else. And I'm just <laughs> supposed to discover there's a mailbox that you're mad I didn't check. Like, fuck that. Yeah. Like, don't do what's convenient to you. Do what's useful to us. And like, when, when, it's unsustainable. When Omnibus was on iHeartMedia... <laughs> And then iHeartMedia got purchased by, um, oh, wait, no, yeah, iHeart. It was originally on the the How Stuff Stuff Works, works, and then How Stuff Works got acquired by iHeartMedia. In both cases, both How Stuff Works and iHeartMedia gave us email addresses. (laughs) John Roderick at iHeartMedia.com. And they would send me email there. That was pertinent to oh, uh, our our business, but they never told me that I had an email address there, and I had no idea how to access it or that any mail was going there. Unbelievable! And so they were sending me mail and and Ken uh, sending us mail to you know our names at uh, iheartmedia.com. and then. Uh, when we didn't reply to those things, they were they assumed that that silence meant consent, and Jesus. you know that it was just like. Eventually, we were like, "Hey, wh- what? Where did all this happen?" And they were like, "Oh, oh, I mean, we sent you all that stuff," and we were like, "We never didn't get a thing from you. 
They were like, we sent it to you. Well, you sent it to us where? Well, yeah. your email account. Which email account? John Roderick and I had meeting, and I was just like, "You've got to be fucking kidding me!" And we, so I finally. Can you went imagine on doing there. that? Can you imagine you trying that with any other self-possessed adult that you're acquainted <laughs> with? So you say to them, "You say to them, here's a couple things. I'm first of all, I'm mad, and one of the reasons I'm mad is I created a new source of input for you, and I put stuff there, and you didn't figure that out. So see, also, I'm mad at you. Yeah, well, that would be that is a showstopper." But, but they are they are all so like there were six hundred emails there oh, because I was because Ken and I were CC'd oh, on sure. every business, business, intra business. office <laughs> intra office business com communication where people are like well you know I, I think that that font would look better if it was one size smaller oh okay well I'll give that a try what do you think about this yeah I'm kind of not really into Helvetica anymore you know back and forth back and forth and we're CC'd on all of it. Because that's how the they're doing business. Exactly right. Business, 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 business. And at the end of the day, they hit that punch out clock and they're like, ah, boy, I earned my pint of, you know, bitter mm -hmm. uh, down at the local pub. <laughs> I guess I better go home and check Facebook messages. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. It's like when you see those photos of like um, usually in, I think in like India or China, but you'll see those banks of phones where people are doing ad clicks. Have oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, like it's you know, it's essentially it's like you know throwing the little kid into the into the train and Snowpiercer. It's just some young person <laughs> having to deal with this bank of that. That feels like so much of modern life to me, where you like you just have this rictus of pain all the time because you're you're just you're smashing on buttons to prove to people that you're still alive. What a fucking way to live. You know, when when you first several years ago now, maybe a, a long time ago, but mm -hmm. when you first started to very, I think it was right after you. You told the publishing company you weren't going to finish your book. Mm -hmm. And you said, I'm out. You know, like you started to pull back and just say, I'm not going to be Merlin Mann anymore. And I want to do less of those things. Mm -hmm. I want to do, I don't, and, and, you know, and it was a surprise to a lot of us because your career arc looked like it was, mm -hmm. and there were all these things where it was like, Merlin, all they want you to do is just fly to, fucking North Carolina and spend two days there and give a presentation and they'll pay you all this money. Mm -hmm. And you were like, yeah, it's just not worth it. I don't want to. And it, it, you were like, it, it ends up not being just a day. It ends up being three whole days of your life and they want, you know, they want everything and they don't want to pay for it. And I'd rather be home. And right. I remember watching you do that and, and feeling like, what is he doing? Mm -hmm. Like, because you had you because you'd done the thing. It seemed, where you had, it seemed, it seemed like self defeating or damaging to what I was there for. Well, because you had in, you had invented for yourself a career that didn't exist before. It's not like you got a job somewhere. It's like mm -hmm. you became Merlin Man, which was a thing that we kind of all wanted to do. Right? Hodgman was becoming Hodgman. Mm -hmm. He wasn't getting a job somewhere, and and uh and i was trying to be john roderick and not just be some be some guy and you had done it and it seemed like you enjoyed it yeah and absolutely then, absolutely and then you pulled back and 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 it was but now did it seem confusing it, it was confusing mm -hmm. it was confusing now i feel it more and more when i look at my calendar now and mm -hmm. there's nothing on it for 
two straight weeks, I want that to be the new normal. Mm-hmm. Like I want to not because because everything feels like it's it it uh, it asks more than it's claiming, and it's and it delivers less than it claims. Oh man! Like everybody <laughs> wants more and they give less, and I would rather just not. I'd rather not. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, how much of a response you want, but yeah, you've got all that's correct. Um, yeah. So it's like the quick, quick response to that is uh, first something I, I feel like I first heard uh, Pat Rothfuss say on a podcast he used to do with Max uh, called Unintended Consequences. And um, he said this thing. I don't think he had any idea how brilliant this was, but he said something like, don't compare your backstage to other people's onstage. And I, I still think about that so often. Because think about how much we all look at somebody else's, usually that in a way of like going like, gosh, I'm envious. That person on stage right now is so good. My backstage is a mess. And it's like, that's don't do that. You know, stop doing that. Like for a variety of reasons. Take that analogy any way you want. There's so many ways one could find usefulness in that. The one I bring up here is, yeah. This is, boy, believe me, if you do open that hatch, you're going to see a whole lot of complicated shit under there. Because, yeah, first of all, yeah, it takes time to do anything. Even things that look easy take so much time. The time you're talking about, I just come off over a year of asking extraordinary sacrifices for my family to do something that I knew kind of felt continuing all along was, on the one hand, just outside my grasp, but also utterly, literally impossible. And, you know, I'd missed a lot of, you know, my kids growing up for that time you know, boohoo, but that's important to me. And, um, and I had the, um, I don't know, I had the gumption to think that that's something I should be there for. But then, yeah, you're also getting into this thing. There was one particular example that, uh, just leveled me, which was, I was struggling mightily trying to keep my publisher and my agent happy and really doing a bad job. And, uh, at the same time, I I remember it so well, well, they were really, they were extremely cool with me and I can't believe they put up with me as long as they did, but you know, enough said I, but I also like, wasn't doing that much like new work. And I got this offer for a speaking gig with a very prominent uh, company, not far down the road from here, but a very prominent uh, company uh, to speak at this event. And so if we look at it from, from on stage and backstage, it was as simple as we're going to give you a bunch of money. It's like, come here for an hour. And it's like, yeah, great, let's do it. And that, so if we stopped at that moment and said, okay, the story's over there, let's put that alongside, boy, I've asked a lot of my wife and my kid for a year. Let's, oh uh, boy, I've really got to get this book out. I've really got to get this draft in. If it's not here on this drop dead date, I am fucked. And I was. Um, but on top of that, the, this easy low hanging fruit of come out and talk to us for a day. Well, let me spoil the ending for you. They gave me basically the Boeing contract. They gave, they wanted a million dollars for me to come out and quote unquote speak for an hour. I spent about six weeks in negotiations with them having to take this hundreds of page long uh, contract and run it through a lawyer. All of this stuff, all for this quote unquote easy one hour talk. It never happened. I blew on top, on top of blowing what I blew with all the time that I was doing a shit job with that book. I also wasted so much time on that seemingly easy thing of just come down to Daily City and do a talk at our genomics company. Well, it never happened. And I blew dozens of hours with these people, dozens and dozens of hours because it looked, it's so easy. And I fell into my own trap. I fell into a couple of my own traps. I didn't have the sense to like stay focused on my dumb book thing, but at the same time I needed to make dough and had this quote unquote easy gig and, and it didn't happen. 
because it was mm-hmm. never easy. It only seemed easy because I wanted it to seem easy. Because I looked mm-hmm. at my own on stage and my own backstage and I said, wow, there's a bunch of money to go and talk to these dinglings for an hour. And it never happened because it was never easy. And most of us are unwilling to admit that what looks easy for everybody else is rarely easy. Um, and in my own case, I, I, I kind of blew it with that. So it became, it became, it's not, it seems like I was trying to be some kind of like a daredevil or a, a contrarian in like taking my career stuff a different way. But it was like, I'm not having fun with what I'm doing. The, the way people make money with what I'm doing is changing very quickly and was getting real scary real fast and real recessiony still at that time. But then, you know, it was, it wasn't fun. And what I, what I had to sacrifice to get what I got was becoming very inconsistent. And, you know, it's, you don't, if you try to invent yourself or as Jonathan Goldstein says, having to birth yourself, you, you kind of, you don't really do it one time. You've got to be open to those changes all along the way. And like, I don't know. I don't, so I'm sorry. I carried along on longer than I, I wanted to, but part of it is that I am a contrarian and part of it is I don't, I, I, I don't like people trying to define who I am. I don't like people putting new inboxes and mailboxes on my house, but I also think it's very practical to say like, do I want to become one of the people in life? This is a super privileged thing to say. Do I want to constantly just feel like I'm not allowed to have good things? Do I really want to feel like I'm just not allowed to like who I am? Do I really want to feel like it's so important for me to be off? In order for me to be authentic, I have to be unhappy for the rest of my life and feel like there's no possibility of change in my life. And it's like, I mean, I hope not. I hope everybody has some part of them that goes like, I can't have everything, but gosh, I hope I can have something. And like, and that means like having to do some like weird, dumb, stupid shit sometimes where that seems to everybody else like a crazy career killer. And it's like, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad I got out of the, the productivity stuff in particular. Um, cause the podcast stuff is more fun. Talking about creativity with Dan ended up being a lot more fun. And I mean, there were still consequences. There's stuff, you know, I've had to deal with. It sucks. But anyway, that's, that's the answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's hope podcasting lasts. Yeah, I mean, something something with audio will be around forever, but like, you know, we're, we're kind of back to axes at this point. Like, what's a related axis to what I'm doing? Like, if it's, it isn't, you know, is it, you know, radio versus podcast? Is it this or that? And like, and again, back to you and talking about your interest at one point and like, you know, saying, wow, it kind of seems like I'm turning into something like an MC. I wonder if that's a thing that I'd want to explore. Like you like writing things. You maybe don't want to write this particular book that's this long, but you like writing things. You like doing things like that. It's, yeah, it's, um, I, I, it's, it's valuable. But like, like I said, I, I've said this quietly a couple times in the last little while. There's a reason I don't write much anymore. It's, it's like the audience is not fun. The money is not there and the publishers are all terrible. Like why would I want to dig into this idea of the race car bed I thought I should have when I was 12? let alone 40. Like, no, thank you. Hard pass. I don't want to be, I don't want to be going, Hey guys on medium for the rest of my life. Yuck. <laughs> Race car bed. <laughs> oh, finally, I sleep in a big boy bed with my wife to quote Homer Simpson. <laughs> beep, beep. All right. I thought that was a challenging episode. <laughs> thank you for your service. Uh, thank you for your service. Yeah.